Hello, welcome to another episode of Papa Bear Hikes. Well, anybody who's been listening to Papa Bear Hikes over the past year and a half knows I've interviewed a lot of women, not just backpackers, but outdoor enthusiasts. And funny thing is, when I talk to them, the question of how do your family and friends respond when they tell them you're going on a six-month backpacking trip or a two-month biking trip is, are you going to be safe out there? So always a question that comes up. Well, today I have with us the CEO of an organization that's helping women alleviate some of those fears or concerns that may keep them from going into the outdoors. Because also, as I've talked about, we're seeing more and more women out there. As a matter of fact, my Tahoe Rim Trail hike, I would guess no less than half the backpackers I met were females. So today we have with us Nicole Snell, CEO of Girls Fight Back. Nicole, welcome to Papa Bear Hikes. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Nicole, first of all, thanks for agreeing to come on here and talk about this issue uh, or what you're doing to help with this. As I said, it's a fear that I think some women are getting over and are going out and doing it. Some of them I've heard make light of it, but I believe it's something that's still keeping some women from going out and enjoying the outdoors the way they should. So could you start off by telling us a little bit about Girls Fight Back? Yeah, absolutely. So Girls Fight Back is an organization that was started in 2001 by a woman named Erin Weed, and it was started for her friend and sorority sister, Shannon McNamara, who lost her life in a tragic attack. And because of how hard Shannon fought for her life, enough evidence was gathered to capture and prosecute her murderer. And so Erin started Girls Fight Back to keep Shannon's memory and fighting spirit alive and to also help the women in the area, the college women, feel like they could still go out and live their life without having to live in fear. And so that's how Girls Fight Back started. And I got involved with the organization in 2014 as a speaker. And then in 2020, the owner at the time was selling the company. And since I had been speaking and and working with the organization to create additional programming for corporate audiences, as well as expanding our college offerings to do gender inclusive programs, I thought, you know what, maybe I should ask her if I can buy it. And she said yes. And so in 2020, right before COVID, I purchased Girls Fight Back. And then COVID hit, obviously, and I had to adapt all my in-person programming to make it virtual while keeping the interactive elements. And because I am such a passionate outdoor adventurer, solo hiker, camper, solo traveler, I always had a lot of people that would come into my sessions or email me and talk about they were concerned about their safety when they're outside when they're hiking, when they're camping, when they're traveling. And so I started a series in 2019 called Outdoor Defense, where I used my passion for empowering people through self-defense, as well as my passion for encouraging people to get outside. And I put them together to offer people simple, practical, empowering self-defense and safety strategies so that they could feel more comfortable knowing that they have options for handling themselves in situations they may encounter in the outdoors. And since taking over Girls Fight Back, I've actually created a program that I've presented to several different organizations, women-owned organizations, as well as, you know, brands and such on hiking solo. It's called Yes, I'm Hiking Solo, where I talk about self-defense and safety for the outdoors. And so, yeah, Girls Fight Back talks to all sorts of organizations from colleges and high schools to corporate Fortune 500 companies to healthcare industries to the military to outdoor groups, retreats, brands, 
you know, nonprofits, conferences, anyone who's interested in learning self-defense and safety strategies for their life, I serve those communities. But I'm extra passionate about doing the outdoors, uh, speaking engagements and work because I'm so passionate about the outdoors. And I think that's great because I've spoken to a number of women, Nicole, and they they share that passion. And part of that passion is, you know what, there's women out there who are afraid to go out and enjoy this. And, you know, when I interview people who have half hiked or are planning a, a long-term hike, I ask them, what do you have any fears or what was your biggest fear? And the response is almost always human encounters. It's not bears. It's not venomous snakes. It's human encounters. Yes. Yes. Whenever I do a Yes, I'm Hiking solo program, the first question I ask, because I want to gauge my audience and I don't want to assume people are mostly worried about dangerous strangers. And I ask, what concerns you? Is it afraid of getting lost? Is it afraid of animals? Is it afraid of, you know, dangerous interactions with other humans? Or is it, you know, something else, you know, fear of not having the right equipment, et cetera? overwhelmingly, it's the fear of other people. It's the fear of other humans that they run into on the trail. And that's exactly why I do this work is because this fear exists. It's out there. You look at any message board on any any group that is primarily women and even some that aren't. And you almost every day will see someone have a concern or a question about safety and personal safety and encounters in the outdoors. And because, I mean, these fears, these hazards of the human encounters and you know, that's, that's what it is. Um, because I mean, the truth is as somebody who's been hiking for decades, you're far more likely to have a dangerous human encounter than an animal encounter. Um, yes. it's just when I, when I hear somebody like yourself talking about this and promoting this and being proactive in it, I think it's great because I'm a big believer that the outdoors is there for us all to enjoy. And and something like this we can overcome. We can you're you're showing us with your company, with what you're doing, that there is a way to overcome this. You know, and, and yes. specifically in your case for women to overcome this. Um, tell us a little bit about how are you doing that? How's your company going about this? Um, you talked about your virtual classes. What are some of the methods uh, methods you're using to reach out to to women? So my series, Outdoor Defense, is one of the main avenues that people find me. I put out episodes every two weeks, and it's on a different topic on outdoor safety. Sometimes I'm teaching a physical skill. Sometimes I'm it's more of a motivational talk. Sometimes it's addressing a fear. But it's all based on, on ways that I can help people feel more confident that they're capable of protecting themselves in the outdoors. I feel like you know the majority of women are afraid of men. They're afraid of a dangerous man in the outdoors. And there's a lot of stereotype of, you know, stranger danger when in fact women are not, women are more likely to be attacked by somebody they know versus a stranger. And so this idea that running into a stranger is the, the, the most common encounter that they'll have is not actually statistically accurate. And so I want to break down that myth right there, which can alleviate some of the fear that people may have. So I try to provide facts to overcome the fear. And then there's a lot of, 
you know, gender stereotypes on women and people who identify as women about our ability to be able to protect ourselves. There's a lot of stereotypes about our size and our strength and our capability to be able to defend ourselves. And I try to break those stereotypes down as well, because everybody, regardless of your gender, your body size, your age, your height, your strength level, your coordination level, everybody is capable of defending themselves. And I try to encourage people by giving them information, by giving them simple and practical skills practice for their body as well as their mind and their voice so they can feel more confident. A lot of time people who, um, who, who come to me, they're not necessarily worried about what if something happens. It's what if something happens and I don't know what to do. Or what if something happens and I don't know how to handle it? And so I am here to provide those strategies. And something I really focus on in my sessions is that self-defense is more than physical. It is more than, you know, heel palms and kicks and knees and all the things. I teach those as well because it's important that we know that we can use our body if we need to. But so much of self-defense involves intuition, awareness, body language, verbal strategies, setting boundaries, trusting ourselves, things like that. And I help people harness those skills that we all have so that they know, okay, if I needed to respond to a situation, I have a wealth of tools in my toolbox, my mental and physical toolbox to address it. Yeah, Cause I think you know, the physical side of it, you know, you could teach somebody how to defend themselves. Right? Um, you know, I wrestled in high school, so I was taught how to wrestle. You could teach somebody how to box. You could teach somebody martial arts. But that mental side of it, the intuition, as you brought up, you know, I've talked to women who, a lot of women who have through hiked these longer trails who have said, you know, I, I had a situation where there was a guy who I just, you know, something didn't feel right. So I had to put some separation, whether it was taking a, an extra day off the trail to put some mileage between them or do something to, to, to create that barrier or to send a signal that there's no romantic interest here mm -hmm. um what what do, we, what do you if you're able to how, how do you convey that message to women who want to hike that you know how to because intuition is one is a tough thing to teach as i said you know as opposed to the the physical side of it how, how do you address that Oh, yeah. You know, so uh, in addition to running Girls Fight Back, I also teach full force self-defense with an organization called Impact Personal Safety. In fact, I just returned from teaching in Rwanda for two weeks to uh, I taught the first week I taught all women the second time. The second week I taught a gender inclusive LGBTQ group. So, you know, people of all gender identities can benefit from what we teach them. And so like a lot of times people find that the verbal practice and and those concepts more difficult than the striking because, okay, yeah, I can go out there and throw a heel pump. Okay. I really don't have to think about that. But when I have to think about how am I going to address someone who's saying something inappropriate to me, how am I going to override our societal programming that we should ignore our intuition and instead of ignoring it, we listen to it. How do we override the, you know, the social contract or if someone that is nice to you, there's this expectation that you're nice back to them, even if you're feeling uncomfortable this for a lot of a lot of people, women especially, but men experience this too. I mean, people of all gender identities experience the draw to be nice, like the pressure to be nice, to avoid offending somebody. And I tell people that your safety is more important than someone else's feelings. It is okay for you to set a boundary. You do not owe niceness to anybody. And if you need to say, you know what, I'm not interested in talking 
or if someone's asking a lot of questions, you can say, look, I'm not interested in asking a lot of answering your questions. I'm really uncomfortable with the amount of questions you're asking. And I just like you to continue on. And, and just be clear and direct and set those boundaries because those things can be deterrents to predators. They are deterrents to people who mean harm because assailants and predators and people with bad intentions are often looking for people that they consider to be vulnerable or they're testing. You know, they're interacting because they're testing to see is this person able to set boundaries? Is this person going to react in a way that is going to make me feel like I'm going to have an advantage if I continue? And I'm teaching people simple things that they can do that doesn't restrict their life, that allows them to go and do the things they want to do. But knowing if they encounter this and they have that feeling, I'm it's like I'm giving them permission. They don't need my permission, but it's like sometimes that having that external person saying, yes, it's okay for you to do this, allows them to give themselves permission to speak up for what they need and to set those boundaries. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through their process. I've been using their permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks and the picaridin to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they're likely to have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible, high-quality products that they offer those of us who enjoy the outdoors. Yeah, because I would say... You know, the hiker community and well, the outdoor community in general is just very friendly by their by their nature. I mean, it's just, you oh, know, yeah. we're all friendly to each other. We all help each other. But you know, it's like when my kids were growing up, you know, I, I raised three boys and trying to get that message across that if a situation feels uncomfortable, if somebody's making you feel uncomfortable, go with your gut. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And you know, I've had such wonderful experiences hiking. I, I've had more uncomfortable situations walking to my post office down the street, being catcalled multiple times in three blocks worth of a walk than any time that I've ever had being on a trail, hiking, backpacking, camping, etc. I've always encountered, you know, wonderful people. But my experience isn't everyone's experience, you know, and whether someone hasn't had an experience or they still have that fear, my goal is to help reduce that fear and let them know that, hey, even if a worst case scenario happens and you have to deal with something, you are fully capable of being able to do it. And one of the first things that I'm teaching people in addition to the intuition and awareness piece is it's okay to face the person and address them. You know, like if someone's walking behind you and you know they're following you, you know, right? It's like you feel the intuition, you know something's off. Instead of continuing to walk and maybe walk faster or, you know, telling yourself in your mind, oh, this can't be happening or I can't believe this is happening, turn and face the person. Now they have to deal with you directly. Now it is face to face. They don't have the advantage of being behind you now. And you're calling out that you see that they're following them. And you can say something innocuous like, oh, hey, are you lost? Did you need, did you need some help? Or, you know, Hey, I saw that you were, you've been following me for a couple miles. Did you, did you lose your way? You know, it can be in a, in a non-confrontational manner, but it's still direct and it lets them know that you see them, you are onto them. And that could be a deterrent in and of itself. Yeah, I, I get that. I could see that. Yeah. I think in, in 
one way you're saying, okay, you're not scaring me. Mm-hmm. I will look you in the eye. I will face you, see you face to face. And then the other side of that is, you know, maybe you're just a little nervous, a little edgy, and maybe this person just, you know, maybe your intuition gauge is just slightly off that day, but, you know, yeah, not but that you shouldn't trust it, but I, I under, yeah, I right. think your approach makes so much sense. And it's like, if, if someone does have bad intentions, I would rather address that person face to face than have that person behind me. And then I'm going to turn around and I'm going to have a better view of what's going on, what's behind me, what if there's something else behind that person, where my surroundings are, like it just gives you a broader view of what's actually going on. And once you have that information, then you can make your decisions from there. Like nothing that I teach is absolute. I don't give absolutes such as you know, if this happens, you're always going to do this. Or if this happens, you do this. Because we're all different and the situations we face are different. And that's just not the way life works, right? I can't ever mm-hmm. give anything that's going to be 100% all the time. But I can give you a range of tools and confidence in yourself that you will be able to decide what's going to work for you in that situation. The most important thing is having the confidence and knowing that you're worth fighting for. And fighting isn't always physical, like I said. So it's just that my boundaries are worth fighting for. My my safety is worth fighting for. My comfort is worth fighting for. My, you know, my, my ability to enjoy this space without being intimidated or threatened by someone else is worth fighting for. And that knowledge alone can be what helps people reduce that fear. Because the other fears that keep people from the outdoors, I mean, um, well, I'll I'll take mine. Um, Venomous snakes, okay? (gasps) I can watch. I can read. I'm kind kind of obsessive and maybe border on an expert on on, on, an Eastern timber rattler. But yeah, you know, I know while I'm out there, it's always in my mind. If I come across, I know where they're at. I mean, it's at a point where if I'm hiking on the AT, I've done enough advanced research. And, you know, so so I I have my, my guard up going through those areas, but it's given me the confidence to overcome it. Right. Because you, you know what to look for, you know what to do. If you see one, you have a plan in place in case there is a worst case scenario where you run into one and you know, it, heaven forbid, you know, you got struck, but like you, the, the fear of it doesn't keep you from going on those trails, but it encouraged you to prepare, to learn more and prepare. And that's really what I'm doing is helping people learn more so they can feel prepared that they can address situations that they encounter. Nicole, let's um, talk about you a little bit here and your outdoor, your outdoor endeavors. What do you do to enjoy yourself in the outdoors? Oh my gosh. Everything and anything. I love the outdoors. I grew up in the deserts of Southern California. And so Joshua Tree National Park was my backyard. My family was not particularly outdoorsy. So you would think we would have been there every weekend. And we really didn't go very much during my childhood. But it was accessible. But I had the whole desert as my playground. I would play in washes, obviously not when it was raining. But I would, you know, explore the you know, the animals and the plants that would live there. And I was catching lizards and collecting rocks. When I went to college, I... I lived in 29 Palms. That's where I grew up. And then I went to Cal State Long Beach on a full scholarship. And when I was closer to LA, I would hike, you know, within Griffith Park and, you know, other areas around LA. When I graduated and got my first job, which was in TV production, that was my whole career before I started this, before I bought Girls Fight Back and started doing, you know, sexual assault prevention and women's empowerment. I started traveling and I love to travel. And then I started traveling solo. You know, I would go to work for a trip and then I would stay longer and go somewhere else. And I started doing that. And 
And I've just always been an adventurous person. And I didn't have a lot of, you know, there weren't a lot of women, especially not a lot of black women growing up that were role models for me, but I just wasn't going to let anything stop me. So I hike, I camp, I backpack, I snowboard, I'm scuba certified. I've been skydiving. I've been hang gliding. I've snorkeled. I roller skate. I ice skate and actually took lessons in one, uh, a, like a local ice skating competition. I ride horses and have competed in schooling shows, you know, you name it. And I, I have, I've done it and I love it. I've been whitewater rafting. Just, I love nature. I love connecting to the outdoors and I love doing it solo because I enjoy the freedom of being able to change my mind at the last minute, make whatever plans I want to make and not have to change it and not have to wait on someone else who may not be ready to go when I'm ready to go and let my whole like plan be determined by someone else's schedule. I want to be able to just do what I want. And that's why I love doing things solo a lot because then I can... I can make my own decisions and and not be beholden to someone else's schedule or or you know if they want to change something or things like that. And that sounds kind of selfish. I do enjoy going with other people too, but I just love the freedom of being solo. And hiking solo is meditative for me. Like I'm not the kind of person who can, you know, do like the mindfulness. Everyone's talking about mindfulness and like sitting quietly. I cannot sit quiet. I just can't. I have to always be moving. But that's what hiking solo allows me to do. I'm able to be present in my body in the moment, smelling the smells, feeling the wind on my skin, listening to what's around me, seeing all the different viewpoints and, you know, coming up to a, a, a viewpoint and seeing, you know, beautiful mountains or a lake or whatever the landscape is. I just, it fills my soul. Like it just fills me up. Yeah. You know, I did my first, what I'd call long distance solo hike in 2017. I hiked the long trail. I did the first part with my oldest son, but then went out and I was going to be out for two weeks by myself and wasn't sure how I was going to feel about being by myself for two weeks, but I came home loving it. It was, I would say liberating to a certain degree yeah. and empowering, right? That yes. idea that I make the decisions and maybe even a little selfish. I don't know, but I'll make the decisions I want to make. I'll eat what I want to make this morning. I'll leave camp when I want to leave camp this morning and I'll hike as far as I want to hike without consulting anyone. And it's a hard thing to say. Now, I had a great time that first section with my oldest son. I hiked the Tahoe Rim Trail with my middle son, Reese, my 30-year-old, and, and I wouldn't give that up for anything. But I think unless you have solo hiked for any amount of time, maybe have a hard time understanding it, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm with you. I love solo hiking. I love it. And I like how you said the, it was liberating. I feel like, I feel like it helps you understand how self-sufficient you are, that you do not have to rely on anybody for your, you know, your, your everyday needs, you know, your food, your water, your shelter, you are able to handle all of that. And also knowing that you're able to handle your safety as well. You know, safety isn't just personal safety with someone else, but, you know, making sure that you, you know, picked a nice place, a, you know, a stable place to camp and being aware of animals and making sure that you keep hydrated and, you know, all the things we do to just make sure we stay alive when we're going about our daily business. And that that's such a freeing feeling to just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm self-sufficient that I can do it. I don't have to rely on others to save me, protect me, prepare me or anything else that I can learn what I need to learn and then be able to do it by myself. And I'll tell you, 
one of the most rewarding things about the work that I do is when I get a message from somebody who says that they've always wanted a solo hike, but they were afraid and they watched my videos or came to a, a session and now they're, they're scheduling their first trip or they just finished a solo trip and they say, Nicole, you, you inspired me. You helped me feel peace about it. You helped me feel hopeful that this was something I really could do and helped me address people who were maybe naysaying what I wanted to do. And I did it and I loved it. And that warms my heart. And that's really why I do this work. Yeah. And I can hear the passion in your voice for this. And, you know, and I, you know, you, you talked about as a, a young person, going out into the desert and collecting bugs and lizards, you've been knocking down these barriers and, and stereotypes your whole life, it seems like. I have, and unintentionally or not. Like I remember my older brother was showing me, I'll, I'll never forget this, it's so clear in my mind. I was outside, I had to be like four or five, and he was he caught a grasshopper in his fingers, and he instead of trying to scare me with it, like you know some older brothers might try to do, he walked over and he showed it to me, and he showed me where to hold it and pass it to me so that I could hold it. And I was just like, oh, this, this isn't scary at all. This bug is just a bug and it's not going to hurt me. And it like just opened my mind. Like not everything around us is scary. Not everything around us is something that means us harm. And you can interact with your world in, in so many, in, in such a more open way when you can understand that. Do you have an area that you do your, most of your activities in? I know you, you live in the Southern California or Southeast part of the country. Do you have an area that you generally go to or you, you say you travel a lot? I do travel a lot. I've hiked in 15, 16 countries now, I think. And because I, mean, I live in LA, so I'm mostly in, you know, the Santa Monica Mountains, the San Gabriel Mountains, Los Padres National Forest, you know, Griffith Park, if I don't want to drive far and I just want to, you know, do something to get, you know, just to be outside. I really love the Eastern Sierras and I just actually finished a six day, five night backpacking trip with my friend Sonia. And we did the last 50 miles of the Numupoyo trail and we summited Mount Whitney. So I did that in June and that was incredible. Some of the most beautiful backcountry I've ever seen. It was a super challenging 50 miles. There's a lot of elevation gain and decline and you know, but just the beauty of what was out there, not to mention the climb to Whitney, like that was intense, but amazing. It just blew my mind. And I feel very fortunate because places like that are not places you can get to by driving. You know, car camping is great. It allows access to people who maybe have families and can't hike in or people who have disabilities and have limited mobility. Like that's great. But places in the backcountry, I feel like are there, there's so many places that you have to be able to backpack to be able to see. So I feel very privileged that I am able to do that and, and able to see these places. And I just wish more people would be able to see them. I, I, I keep mentioning my most recent trip and because it was so much fun, but <laughs> there were times where I would just stand there or take a seat and look out at a beautiful view and say, this is why I backpack. This is why I'll hike 10 or 14 miles in a day. This is it. Because you, as you said, you can't get there by car. The only way you're going to enjoy those kind of views, that kind of terrain and scenery, is if you walk in. If you struggle in, you mean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> depending, <that's it. laughs> depending on how heavy your pack is and how far you I have did to say go. Sitting, <laughs> I did say sometimes sitting down, getting off of my sore feet. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I agree. There are several points like that where I would turn around to look at where we came from and just be like, oh, Sonia, we have to stop. And I would just like take pictures and video and just sit there. And pictures can never really capture the grandeur of, you know, valleys and canyons stretching back for miles and, you know, jagged mountain peaks and the tree, the green tree line right underneath it and alpine lakes of every shade of blue and green. I mean, it's just magic. It's pure magic. Yeah. Yeah. Hiking through the desolation wilderness and experiencing all that. Yeah. The pictures don't do it justice. You, no. you've got to see it with your own eyes. You've got to get up close to, like you said, those alpine lakes just are such an incredible thing to see. And yeah. yeah. It really, yeah. So that's why, you know, more people need to get out. Don't be afraid to solo hike. Nicole here is going to help give you the tools you need. Okay. There are ways out there for us to overcome the natural fears we have of of bears, mountain lions, and, 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 and snakes possibly. But here's one that's a little bit more difficult to overcome, the human element. And, um, yeah, yeah, Nicole, hopefully you and I have given people some motivation to get out there because I, you know, it's hard to put into words how much, you know, what you see out there. It really is. And, and yeah, I hope people listening will feel inspired to, to, you know, step out and and try and, you know, your first solo hike doesn't have to be 12 miles in the wilderness. It could be two miles around your neighborhood, around a park, like just anything that gets you outside by yourself counts as a solo hike in my eyes. So just try it once and around a, an area that you are familiar with. So at least that is one element that you don't have to worry too much about like getting lost or something and let someone know where you're going. That's another thing that I always do when I solo hike. I don't know. Have you seen that movie? I think it's called 127 hours. Oh yes. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> should watch that. <laughs> Everybody should watch that. After watching that movie, there is not a single time I go on any hike, whether I'm solo or with a group, that I don't let at least one other person know where I'm going to be, just in case there is an accident like that. Like the, you know, for those who don't know, a, a man fell into a crevasse in Utah and got his arm stuck and eventually had to cut it off to get out because nobody knew where he was. And so what I do whenever I solo hike is I always let at least one person know where I'm going. And it could be a quick text. It doesn't have to be a long and drawn out, you know, just, Hey, here's where I'm going. Here's a trail I'm going. Here's what time I'm going. Here's what time I think I'm going to be back. I text my sister all the time and I would like to share this. So my sister's older. So she's got the protective, you know, protective older sister vibe, but she knows that I do this. She knows the work that I do. She's seen me fight in my classes where we, you know, we do realistic scenarios. And so she knows that I can handle myself. But every time I go on a solo trip, she always says, Nicole, make sure you bring a weapon. And I tell her, Michelle, I am a weapon. And, (laughs) and that's, that's what I want other people to feel like you don't need anything else to protect yourself. You have everything you need on your body right now to be able to do that. Mm, That that's good advice because that's a question that commonly comes up too with long distance hikers. Should I bring a weapon with me? You know, well, I always look at it this way is that unless you're trained on how to use that weapon, unless you're absolutely sure you can point that at another human and pull the trigger. Don't even think about it. You and I see eye to eye. That's exactly what I teach. You have to train with it, no matter what it is, no matter, even if it's just pepper spray, you have to train with it because when adrenaline hits, when the stress response hits your body, your fine motor skills reduce 
and your logic and reasoning reduce and your gross motor skill function goes up because of how the adrenaline affects your, your nervous system. So unless you are practicing with that tool under a state of adrenaline or enough to where it's muscle memory, it may not respond the way you're expecting it to, unless you're practicing pulling it out and aiming it all, you know, constantly, unless you can get to it that quickly, it may become more of a distraction or a hindrance to you than a help. And so I'm not against them. I'm just more for education. And then if you're going to insist on doing it, you have to train with it. And remember that your body and yourself is always going to be first. It's always going to be the primary thing that you're using to protect yourself and anything else is secondary. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely see eye to eye on that because yeah, it's not that I'm against guns. It's just that, you know, truth is unless you are tra a trained person, you're a police officer and or in the military, that gun can easily be turned around on you, right? Because we can easily say, you know, and he, you know, if, if some, if my life was in danger, I could kill somebody. Well, you know, we're not sociopath or psychopaths here. You know, we're going to be thinking hard about it. If I pull this trigger, it's over. And if I'm wrong about this person's intentions, I've got to live the rest of my life with this. And the amount of time you have to make that decision. My, my middle son was a, was a, uh, was in the security forces in the air force. And I remember him and I talking about this a few times, you, you know, and they're trained when they're, they're being schooled to be policemen. You have such a short period of time to make that decision. Yeah. And that's why you're saying, you know, like what you're saying, you know, physically knowing how to defend yourself with your hands or whatever you can grab onto. Okay. That's not permanent. Okay. That, that'll get you to safety. That'll put yes. you in safety, but also I won't get you in a legal bind or have you living the rest of your life wondering, did I make the right decision? Exactly. And trying to in, empower people with the knowledge that their body is full of weapons. Like your body has so many weapons available to be able to use to protect yourself that it, it's not necessary to have something external. And if that's your choice, then of course that's, I'm, I'm all about choice and options and helping people pick what's right for them. But I also want to give them the information, like what you just shared is great information too, you know, about some of the things that people might not be thinking about when that they're in that stressful adrenalized situation. Whereas if I'm not worried about something external and I can just face them in my ready stance, I can use my voice. I can say, look, I don't want any trouble back away right now. You know, I want you to leave me alone and you're making noise and someone aggresses on you. Then you have lots of tools on your body to be able to fight with. And it's not about strength. Like people think that self-defense is about strength and it's not really about strength. That's, you know, we're not, we're not fighting someone in a ring. There's no rules. There's no referee. There's no agreement that you're going to use this technique and I'm going to use this technique and we're going to keep fighting and who has the whoever has the best skill or throws the best strikes is going to win. It's like, no, no, no. I'm teaching people how to hit other people in very vulnerable spots with hard parts on our body that we all have against vulnerable spots on other people's body that everybody has and get away to safety. Like that's what it's about. Like strike hard, strike fast, cause enough pain and injury to disable the person so you can get away. That is all that it's about. And everybody has the ability to do that. Now you say you're also teaching this, um, you know, not just to, to women anymore, but you've been dealing, um, you've been working with other communities. Yeah. I do a lot of work with gender inclusive communities. I have done work with the military and worked with victim advocates in at Vandenberg Air Force Base and Langley Air Force Base in, oh gosh, I think they're, please strike. <laughs> I'm going to, please cut this part out. I, I don't remember exactly what her. One of my kids visited there when he was in the Air Force. I can't remember. 
I forget what state they're in. I've, I've worked with them twice, but it was virtual. So I'm trying to remember where they were. But anyways, I've worked with Vandenberg Air Force Base. I've worked with Langley Air Force Base. I've worked with the Coast Guard and done presentations that focused on boundary setting and empowerment because everybody can benefit from having those skills, from learning how to, to talk to people that you work with, talk to people who, you know, in the military hierarchical structure, how can I tell someone who outranks me that they are doing something that is crossing a personal boundary and making me feel uncomfortable? What is a respectful way that I can do that and, and do it in a way that is empowered for me, but also respectful for the context of where we are? I remember I did this presentation for a sales company and it was their their yearly retreat. And I had about 50 to 60 people in the room, all mixed, mixed gender. And I finished explaining some verbal strategies and did a demo. And I remember this man raised his hand and he did it like really slow. And I was like, oh goodness, is this going to be, is he going to have something negative to say? But he didn't. He he raises his hand. He goes, so you mean I can use this too? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, sir, you absolutely can. He says, yeah, because I have, you know, this uh, my this one friend and he explained a situation where this friend was, you know, hugged him or grabbed him in a way he didn't like. He said, oh, my gosh, I can use this. I said, yes, you absolutely can. Like this applies to so many different contexts. It's not just about dealing with the worst case scenario, even though I do address that. It's what most people fear. And I do want to give people that tool so that if they have need to to address it, they can. But so much of what I teach can be applied to dealing with your colleagues, to dealing with your friends, to dealing with your intimate partner, to dealing with people that you run into on the street, just doing day-to-day activities. And and that's where the power comes from, I think. And, you know, the fact that, you know, you're now, you know, gender inclusive, you're right. I mean, men can find themselves in, in a situation, uh, dangerous oh. situations. I mean, we don't think of it that way. I mean, I get, unfortunately, we're still a society where, you know, we see women as being maybe weak and vulnerable, but the same could be said for men. You know, men could find themselves in those situations. Yeah. So I want to share a couple of stats with you. Women are 86% of the time women are assaulted by someone they know, and men are most often assaulted by strangers. I don't have the exact wow. stat number, but men are more often attacked by strangers and women are more often attacked by somebody they know. And so, yeah, men are not immune. And that gender stereotype, you know, the binary, first of all, that men are strong, women are weak is wrong because there's many different genders and there are weak and strong within all different types of people. And what I am teaching helps break down some of those those barriers, right? Helps break down some of those stereotypes, teaching women that they're not weak and helpless, that in fact, we are strong and capable and teaching men that, hey, you know what? It's okay if you're not sure how to handle a situation. No one's expecting that you have to know everything. And I'm going to teach you some things so you can handle other situations as well. And instead of having to feel this pressure of, oh, I have to know everything and be able to you know, protect other people without actually having training and information on how to actually do that. And it helps. It just helps everything be a little bit more equal and help foster respect across the board. Because that's really, you know, like this is just one piece of it. You know, violence, gender-based violence is a big problem all over the world. There's no community that's immune. Like violence has, it does not discriminate. And it's going to take so many different people working in so many different areas to address all the root causes of it and, you know, addressing the criminal justice aspect of it and the survivor support aspect of it. And what I'm doing is I'm serving one, like I'm, I'm one piece of the puzzle, right? I'm one piece of the many solutions and we need all of them in order to get to a better world. Yeah. And what a great place to start in the outdoors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, cause 
I've, this is something that's come up with a lot of people I've interviewed as well. In fact, a German woman I interviewed just before I left for California, she called the trail the great, the most democratic experience you can have. I always call it the great equalizer because we're all the same out there, right? Yeah. We're all just stinky, smelly hikers getting from point A to point B. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Looking for our next water fill-up spot. <laughs> Right. We're all hungry, a little, maybe a little cranky if it's the end of the day, you know. Uh, but yeah, and I, I think, you know, your message trying to encourage, um, well, most specifically women to go out and solo hike to help overcome that. Yeah, it just brings us one step closer to people experiencing that very equalizing opportunity being out there, right? You get yeah. to a shelter or a campsite. We're not doctors, lawyers, teachers, women, uh, men graduates, recent high school graduates, we're all just out there hiking and, and enjoying ourselves and dealing with the same day-to-day struggles. Exactly. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the more the more people that we can get confidently out there enjoying the outdoors, I mean, we all know, I mean, maybe we don't all know, but there's a lot of research showing how healing nature can be and how it can benefit your mood and it can help with mental health. And there's so many positive benefits to just being outside. The more people we can get outside and experiencing those benefits, imagine what changes we could see in our own lives and in the world. I agree. And that's why I think what you're doing is so important because the bottom line here is you're encouraging more people to go out and enjoy these things. I mean, you're doing something you love doing, something you're very passionate about, and that is helping women overcome this fear. But on the long game here, the bottom line is you're encouraging more people to get out there and experience something you love and enjoy and something you know the truth about. Yes. Yeah. And being in the outdoors can help you it can offer life lessons for lack of a better term i'm i don't know how if if you have experienced something similar on the trail but like when i did the this recent backpacking trip to mount whitney through onion valley you know it, it was my pack was a little too heavy i'll be honest i put a little bit too much in there it shouldn't have been that heavy i was really struggling the first day but it just came down to a mantra that i would say to myself over and over which was just take one more step. Each step is one step closer to your goal. Try not to think of it as, oh, I have 10 miles to go, you know, break it down. And my hiking partner that I went with, Sonia, she was so great about breaking down the pieces of of our next leg. Okay, we have this long until our next water stop. We have this long until this pass. We have this long until that. And that helped me to just, you know, sometimes the world in our lives can just seem so big and so, you know, everything that we're going through, maybe we're struggling with something in our life and everything just seems overwhelming. And one of the lessons you can learn from being in the outdoors and hiking is, okay, just take a breath and just take it one step at a time. And just one step at a time will get you there. And that is... The, the the more folks that I can help feel the benefits of being like re- reduce their fear of getting outside so they can get outside and, and enjoy these things and enjoy nature and have these benefits. That's going to benefit them in other areas of their life too. It's going to benefit them at work. It's going to benefit them at home. It's going to benefit them with their friends. And, and it really just has a ripple effect that just keeps going. You know, I never looked at it that way. And you know, yeah, you, you maybe can say, all right, on a bad day, I can, break things down. I can simplify things. And, you know, a little head game I play with myself, similar to what you're doing is, you know, if I'm planning on hiking 10 miles, well, I know where every destination is. 
But when I hit that rough patch or if it's the end of the day, yeah, I know in one mile I'm going to be here. You know, and, and I know from my watch how long it's going to take me. So the little game I play with, okay, so in this much time, I should be there. And uh, yeah, so it helps you to shrink things down on a bad day. Just overcome one thing at a time and you'll get yes. there. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Nicole, what do you see for the future of Girls Fight Back? What I would love is I would love for Girls Fight Back to be the go-to organization for personal safety and self-defense for not only the outdoor industry, but for colleges and high schools and any industry that is looking to, you know, empower their communities with self-defense and personal safety and boundary setting and skills that they can use in many different areas. So I see myself expanding and doing more work with more groups. I would love to bring on additional speakers so that I can do even more presentations and do uh, more uh, do more work in more areas. I would uh, love to expand and continue expanding programming based on the needs of different communities and uh, making sure that I'm, you know, already I, I use a lot of research and I go to the research to make sure that my programs are informed with, you know, the current, uh, the current research, the current evidence-based, you know, peer-reviewed reports on different aspects of violence prevention, but, you know, just continuing to do that. And, you know, I would love to, I would just love to, be able to reach more people. That's really what I would love to be able to do is just continue to continue to expand and grow and scale and be able to get this information to everybody. Like everybody can benefit from this and we could make the world such a better place if everyone could have this type of training. So I know that's a big goal, but you know, I'm going to put it out there. So that's what I see. It's what I want. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, for, you know, you you have to think big a lot of times. So, yeah, I admire that. Um, how can people help? You know, just the common person. Are, are you, um, do you take donations? Or if, if people just maybe put, you know, people who are listening, you have social media or websites, maybe put a link to your organization. How can we help you with what you're doing? Oh yes, I would every everything helps. So sharing my sharing my posts, referring me to folks who are looking for safety and self-defense training. I have my web I have two websites, NicoleSnell.com and girlsfightback.com. And then I have social media, Girls Fight Back is the company one, and then Adventures of Nick, and it's N-I-K. So Adventures of N-I-K is my personal slash, I do some professional stuff on there too, but it's where all my hiking stuff's going to be. It's where I post my outdoor defense videos. So resharing my videos, subscribing on YouTube. Uh, my channel is called Nicole Snell Outdoor Defense. And then I am not a nonprofit. So Girl Sight Back is, a, is an S-Corp. It's not a nonprofit. And so I don't, I can't take donations, but I have a a Venmo and I have a coffee account. I don't know if you're familiar with coffee. It's yep. KO-FI. Yeah. So if people want to, you know, donate or give a virtual tip in that sense uh, through coffee, they're welcome to. Like if they, you know, they, they want to support what I do, they want to support outdoor defense, they want to support, you know, my work, they're welcome to do that. And, um, and yeah, and, and you're referring, you know, sharing and spreading the word is really the most important thing. And, and one thing that I really want to do too, I, I should have added this when we were talking about what my goals are for Girls Fight Back. What I definitely want to do is I want to reach more underrepresented and underserved communities because there's a lot of high schools that need this. There are a lot of colleges that need this, domestic violence shelters and homeless shelters and inner city center community centers can use this work, but it's 
it's often a matter of do they have access to it geographically? Do they have access to it financially? Things like that. So I would love to find a way to partner with other groups and organizations to be able to bring this to those communities as well. Well, Nicole, we'll make sure we put links to to those sites in the description. So everybody, you know, don't pull over, don't drive your car into a bridge abutment. Wait till you get home and look it up and listen to the episode a second time. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and, and you can, and you'll find the the link in the description and, um, you know, hopefully you'll go to these sites and, you know, if you know an organization that's in need of this, pass the word on and, um, please, you know, yeah. You know, I think it's something. May I share one more thing that I forgot? Absolutely. Go ahead. So Outdoor Defense has, I've produced three seasons worth of Outdoor Defense episodes. And right now I'm in the middle of season three, but my season three finale is going to be on October 4th. And once the finale airs, I will have done 60 six zero episodes of outdoor defense since 2019 that I'm all, all self-produced. I had some, I did have some help, you know, throughout, I've had some people who've helped me film and helped me with, um, you know, being a guest on the show and things like that. But I did 60 episodes, all self-produced and edited, and I'm doing a, a giveaway to celebrate the season three finale. So I'll have, uh, there's, there'll be a link on my social media pages and on my websites where people can go and they can enter to win some cool prizes and to support outdoor defense. Well, that's great. Every, yeah, and everybody make sure you check that out. You know, I always like winning stuff, so I may just jump in that. <laughs> Who doesn't? You should. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Nicole, before we finish, what advice would you give to that young lady or any woman, woman of any age? who's listening to this and saying, I'd love to get out there and solo hike. This sounds like it's so much fun. Sounds like something I'd really like to do, but I just have this fear of being out there by myself. What would you right now? What would you say to them? I would say that you are so much more powerful than you know, and that you may have given yourself credit for, and that I believe in you and that I know you're capable of handling yourself. And simply knowing that you are worth fighting for is one of the best tools that you can carry with you throughout your life. And you can look for more information. You can watch some of my videos. You can, you know, you can reach out if you have questions, but just know that you are capable and you are strong. Nicole Snell, CEO of Girls Fight Back, thank you so much for sharing this important information. Everybody, make sure you check out the websites. Uh, Nicole, again, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. This has been so wonderful. It's been a lot of fun. Everybody, get outside, have some fun. And as Nicole would be the first one to tell you, be safe. Yes, be safe and live without limits. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you haven't done so yet, go to our website, palmabearhikes.com. Listen to past episodes. Check us out on social media. Go to our YouTube channel, Martin Outside. All those links are there. In addition to that, you can buy our book or see what you're missing out on if you're not a Patreon member yet. Remember to get outside, have fun, and be safe. This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.